on podcast 1760. Tesla opens the US superchargers. We talk EV postal vans and farewell to the smart EQ42. Trying a new thing so you know when to expect a show. We go live at 5 p.m. UK. That's midday Eastern. Patreon supporters get the episodes as soon as they're ready and ad-free. You can be like them by clicking on the link in the show notes. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you are in the world. It's EV News Daily, your trusted source of EV information for Wednesday, the 1st of March. It's Martin Lee here, and I go through every EV story so you don't have to. We'll kick off with a biggie. Tesla has finally opened up their superchargers. Uh, to non-Tesla owners in the US, this will enable more... It will enable more drivers to take advantage of their excellent infrastructure, one of the most extensive. And in the past, the supercharger network was exclusively for Tesla owners in the US because of the proprietary plug. Now, over here, it's been open for a long time now, and I love using the superchargers personally with our Hyundai Kona. By the way, the MG ZS, the mighty MG, doesn't play nicely. It won't charge on them. Maybe it's the car, maybe, I don't know. It's been a while since I tried it. However, in the US, the decision was part of Tesla's efforts to encourage more drivers to move to EV and no doubt have access to some of those subsidies that will be available as long as their chargers are open to everybody. The supercharger network will now be accessible to drivers of other EV brands via the app. Non-Tesla EV owners need to create a Tesla account, first of all, and provide their payment information. Uh, They'll be charged based on how much energy you use, just like a Tesla owner, but at a slightly higher rate to reflect the cost of maintaining the network. And also, you can, at least here, I can subscribe to a monthly plan, which lowers my kilowatt hours. I don't do that because I use them so infrequently, but always brilliantly reliable and actually maybe it's me maybe it's kind of just coincidence i swear they charge the kona faster than other third-party chargers it was up at 80 something odd kilowatts the other day and i'm like i didn't think the car could charge this quickly it's a big development for the ev industry in the us it encourages more drivers to make the switch to evs with access to the fast charging network from tesla non-tesla ev owners no longer have to worry about things like range anxiety or if the charges are going to be broken when they get there because more often than not tesla's reliability is so good Tesla are also in the news uh, for adding a CCS adapter retrofit in the US. Uh, if you want to use CCS chargers and you want your car uh, permanently adapted like we have over here, the retrofit price is $500. I think that's okay. I think, I mean, it's a lot of money. I know, like $450, $500. But if you always want to use the CCS plugs, go and get that done and get yourself a retrofit uh, of your Tesla so you can use a wide range of public charging stations. Now, here's a massive story. Toyota are on a bit of a journey over the last few weeks. They have a new boss and they have, without offending the old boss, because Akio Toyota is still there, I think as chairman, uh, is to kind of say, we think we've been getting it wrong at Toyota. And may I humbly say, as an idiot on a podcast, I agree with you. The recent teardown they did of a Tesla Model Y left the Japanese car maker impressed and concerned about their own complacency in the EV market. Underneath the Model Y sheet metal was what they called masterfully simplistic vehicle structure that showed Tesla's advanced capabilities and advantages, leaving the Toyota executives in awe. They called it a work of art. Toyota's concluded it needs to catch up with Tesla's EV technology in design and 
adopt an EV-first mindset. Now, these are senior managers talking to the publication Automotive News who aren't named because they're not authorised to speak on behalf of the company, or even maybe they shouldn't even be saying this. Toyota has a goal of selling 3.5 million EVs globally by 2030, but last year it sold about 24,000 full electric cars worldwide. Toyota is now working on a wholly re-engineered, next-gen, pure BEV platform. It won't arrive till 2026, but Toyota, for goodness sake, it's the right thing to do. Just stop running adverts saying we choose not to plug in and we'll take you a little bit more seriously and stop promoting your self-charging hybrids because there's no such thing as one. The company will incorporate the best of the breakthroughs from the likes of Tesla. They'll steal from the best, uh, but they also want to remain all the things, the hallmarks that make a Toyota a Toyota, like quality and reliability, they say, but that kind of goes without saying, doesn't it? Now, to achieve the goal, Toyota has reshuffled their leadership. They've appointed uh, Takahiro Ishijama as chief officer in charge of their BEV program. Toyota is delaying the development of a next-gen EV platform to secure the proper battery capacity that's needed ahead of the rollout of that. And, you know, we've been doing this, what, 1,700 episodes, four-plus years. And I think back at the first podcasts, I was saying, if if you're a major car maker and you have not already signed on the dotted line for your battery supply contracts, you're in deep doo-doo. This is four years ago, and now Toyota, the world's biggest car maker, are going, we think we probably need some battery supply contracts. Do you think? It might be useful. Well, the Tesla teardown study taught Toyota that they, who are famed, Toyota are famed for uh, their manufacturing expertise, have totally been outsmarted. Tesla's use of giga casting eliminated countless parts and brackets. The battery layout is structural in the floor itself of the Model Y. These innovations reduce the vehicle's weight, increases the range, slashes the costs, and Toyota have a long way to catch up. In outlining plans to change the way Toyota makes their vehicles and move to an EV-first mindset, the incoming CEOs called Koji Sato did concede that the competitiveness and cost of EVs is going to be a challenge for Toyota. They're still weighing how best to develop their next-gen EVs and how they can channel Toyota's brand identity. Well, i got to say, I think for many people, Toyota's brand identity is taking a kicking right now because... They don't know what they're doing. They don't know where they are in the market. They're pushing hybrids. They're telling people not to buy plug-in electric vehicles. They're telling you that, you know, non-plug-ins are better, but also saying, oh, we think we need to now go full EV. It, they've really messed this up. They Very short-term thinking. They've got a long way to go to rebuild uh, that, that reputation. However, however, I will say this, that whenever I see any study, any data, uh, when I'm doing my research for this podcast and people are asked who makes the most EVs, Toyota normally come out first because in the public perception, their hybrid cars in the public's head are EVs. So they're actually working from a place of getting a lot of credit for making EVs when they don't make any. So they can do this. Goodness me. I'm going to raise a glass to them this evening, by the way, in my quiet moment, sitting in my chair tonight. Good on you, Toyota. Now, Tesla will build a new factory in Mexico as EV demand grows. We haven't even had Tesla's investor day yet, and the news is dribbling out. This wasn't, I don't think, perhaps meant to be the announcement, uh, but it came from Mexican president. His name is Andre Manuel Lopez Obrador, announcing the new Tesla plant in Mexico. And it'll join other car makers who are ramping up their presence there. The move comes as EV demand is growing, and Mexico is trying to position itself as a winner in the midst of tensions between the U.S., and China and Asian countries. 
Now, the Tesla factory will make around 1 million vehicles a year, including the Cybertruck and the Roadster. Uh, the investment is expected to create jobs in the region, in the Monterey plant. Uh, it'll be its th- uh, in, in terms of the big Tesla plants, uh, following the likes of China and Germany and Texas and Fremont. And there's Gigafactory, Buffalo, if you want to call it that, doesn't make any cars. Uh, but BMW and Ford all already investing in Mexican factories and Tesla following suit. We'll find out more, I'm sure, at Investor Day and get an official announcement on this. The move has been closely watched as a test of the investment climate under the new left-wing uh, election, the government that's elected. Um, however, Tesla's plans have eased concerns regarding things like water demands from the factories that could affect the region. The expansion is a positive sign for Mexico's manufacturing industry. Moving on, and the U.S. Postal Service is making a big investment in electrifying their aging fleet by purchasing over 9,000 e-transits from Ford, part of the $10 billion plan to electrify. Uh, The e-transits will arrive from this December. The Postmaster General uh, said that the electrification of the USPS vehicle fleet is an essential component of the agency's plans to improve its service, reduce its costs, grow its revenue, and make a better working environment for their employees. The US Postal Service reverse course last December uh, unveiled their original plan to purchase just 10% of the vehicles uh, to be electrified from the defence company Oshkosh. The rest, 90%, were going to be com- dirty combustion vehicles. But uh, with the Inflation Reduction Act infusing $3 billion of funds into that programme, they were able to go back and say, no, we'll buy more pure EVs and we'll buy them from more manufacturers as well. This is uh, the first, I think, the first of... Uh, what will be more announcements the Ford deal with the e-transit is certainly not the end. Now, Shell has bought Switzerland's largest EV charging network, EV Pass, as part of their plan to expand their charging network and operate more than half a million EV charge points worldwide by the middle of the decade. With 3,000 charging points in their own network and with net roaming agreements as well, EV Pass brings Shell closer to their goal. Switzerland's a big market for Shell's mobility business. It's a very small country, of course. Um, but the company plans to expand the number of EV charge points offered at their stations and destinations, things like supermarkets, hotels and car parks as well. Now, uh, founded in 2016 by Green Motion, EV Pass bought an energy supplier back in 2018 and this acquisition is expected to bring the next phase of development for uh, Shell's expansion. I've said this a lot on this podcast, you know, big companies, rich companies, successful companies don't forget how to be successful overnight. And if you're talking about oil companies, there aren't many companies in the world better at making money and being successful than oil companies. And yes, we're moving to a zero emission world incredibly quickly. This is the biggest disruption of a generation, if not more, of 100 years certainly in mobility. And these oil companies aren't going to be caught with their pants down. And so, yeah, the names at the minute, if you look around, are Shell and BP and Total, etc. And the names in 10 years, I have a sneaky feeling, will be Shell and BP and Total, etc. Because they're just good companies are good at being good companies. And if they're not going to pull stuff out of the ground and burn it anymore, I don't think they are ideologically wedded to that idea. I think they're wedded to delivering for their shareholders. So, you know, that's I'm not surprised about these purchases. 
Now, in a minute, we'll talk about VinFast slashing their prices by 50%. Oof! And another headline story. Smart cars bidding farewell to the EQ42. And if you'd like your podcasts ad-free, by the way, uh, you can sign up to be a Patreon supporter, $5, 10 or more per month. Many people spend more as well. You can be an executive producer, get your name mentioned on Sundays for not much more than a posh coffee or two each month. And on the Patreon dashboard, you get your own exclusive feed, which you just copy and paste into your podcast you know, RSS reader, whatever you use, your podcast app, and then you'll get these shows ad-free. Back in a sec. Let's talk Rivian, reporting a loss of $1.7 billion in the last quarter of the year, bringing their total losses for the year to $6.8 sorry, $6.8 billion, other way around. Uh, the firm also reported revenue of $663 million, deliveries of 8,054 vehicles in the quarter, full-year revenue of $1.7 billion, and full-year deliveries of 20,332. They expect to make 50,000 vehicles this year in 2023, but supply chain problems that affected production last year do continue but are easing. CEO RJ Scarin said the company was focused on reducing costs following Tesla's decision to cut car prices like £13,000 off some of them in the beginning of this year. But the demand is robust, he said, and the backlog is lasting well into 2024. Now, here's a company that isn't even on the market yet and is slashing their prices by 50%. That's Vietnamese automaker Vinfast, backed by Vin Group. Not sure of a few bob or two. They got some money. They've made a big move to capture their EV market share uh, by slashing the lease prices on the VF E34, E36 by 50%. The decision comes ahead of the official launch of their EV range in the US. That should happen today, we think. I've not seen any news on it yet, but we think that's scheduled for March the 1st. It's a bold move as VinFast looks to compete with global EV giants and make a name for themselves, but they're one of the companies that I think have done everything mostly right until now. They've spent a lot of money and they've got money to spend But again, having to pay monthly for the car, the subscription model, a name that nobody knows, telling Americans that, you know, it's a car with 150 miles of range and you can only subscribe to it. You can't own it. It works in some countries. I don't know if that range, that low range and that odd ownership model works in the US, but good luck, VinFast. Now we say goodbye to smart cars, bidding uh, the 4-2. A farewell to the EQ4-2, a division these days of Mercedes-Benz, officially announcing they're discontinuing their all-electric EQ4-2, shifting their focus to SUVs and crossovers. We first saw the electric 4-2 in 2007. It's had updates since. It still looks so cool, that urban-friendly design. I love it. And I saw a convertible one a few weeks ago, because obviously it's wintertime here, no one's buying soft tops, and and I, it was tempting, very, very tempting, uh, because, you know, as a second car to pop to the shops, to do run, do school run and stuff like that, man, the specs on it are pretty good. And, it, you know, by the time the sun comes out in three months' time and everybody wants a, a car that they've got a drop top on, oh, but we didn't anyway, we didn't. Um, however... Uh, Smart Cars has pledged to continue investing in the development of what they call sustainable mobility. So it may be the end of the EQ42, but there's obviously part of a wider strategy uh, there. Now let's go down under, and a new electric vehicle is going to be in use for the logging industry in South Australia. 
to reduce their carbon emissions and improve sustainability. It's been retrofitted with lithium-ion batteries from a combustion truck, and it'll do a full day's work on a charge. The trial takes place over six months and will test the vehicle's efficiency and durability in the region in terms of is it good for hauling the logs that it needs to do. And the use of EVs in the forestry industry is potentially a significantly big move about reducing carbon emissions improving sustainability of the industry and things like that. It's an important step towards environmentally friendly industry. And it's hoped the success of the trial will encourage other companies in the region and in the industry to adopt EVs and sustainable practices. That's a really good thing. Sonnen VPP Virtual Power Plant is integrating with EVs to stabilize the German grid. Uh, the integration of EVs into a virtual power plant allows for flexibility of balancing supply and demand and frequency regulation. EVs can be charged when there's periods of low demand and discharged during peak periods. It allows EVs to provide the additional capacity to the grid rather than creating new power stations. Uh, by using EVs as a source of flexibility, a virtual power plant can stabilise the grid and reduce reliance on fossil fuels. Well, the integration of EVs is part of a larger effort to increase the share of renewable sources on the grid in Germany. As more renewable energy sources are added, the need for flexible storage and balancing is increasingly important. I'll pop a link to that story in the show notes if you'd like to read more. According to a new J.D. Power survey, EV owners are more satisfied than ever with their vehicles. 9,000 EV owners were surveyed, and they found the overall satisfaction at an all-time high. It's great news, of course, for the EV industry. They study found that one of the biggest drivers of satisfaction was the increasing range of electric vehicles. As battery technology continues to improve, I've been saying this for years, we've been talking about new battery technologies. What we have on the road now is good. It's Look, it's great in places, but when you look at what's coming down the pipeline and you see what's coming, it's just game over for combustion. New technologies, solid state, semi-solid state, sodium-ion batteries have been talked a lot about in the, on this show in the last couple of weeks, and it's all leading to a place where cars charge quicker, go further, and cost less money. And it means owners are increasingly happy with their EVs. In the premium segment, the JD Power survey put the Rivian R1T first, followed by the Model 3, Model Y, Audi, e-tron and Polestar. In the mass market segment, they put the Mini Cooper first, followed by the Kia EV6, the Mustang Mach-E, Arnic 5, ID4 and Nero EV. Now, I wouldn't necessarily put in the premium segment the Model 3 or the Model Y because I'm not sure they are premium vehicles. Tesla will disagree until they're blue in the face with me on that. They sit in a premium segment, but not so they feel very premium when you're inside them. They're high-tech, don't get me wrong. Equally, I wouldn't put the Kia EV6 and the Arnic 5 in the mass market segment. I probably would put the ID4, maybe, the Nero EV, the Kona, that's mass market. Those vehicles should be in the same category as the 3 and the Y. So either move 3 and the Y down or leave them in the premium and put the EV6 and the Ionic 5 up to the premium segment. But either way, two separate results. I don't know why we can't mash them all together, personally. Uh, another key driver of the satisfaction was the charging experience, as more people say uh, that the charging is getting better, but I don't know if that's always true in all countries. Of course, this is a, an American study, and I think that's public charging is one of the areas that could be improved. So, hmm... 
And we'll watch that one. And finally, Edmunds, the online automotive marketplace, has launched a new feature called Battery Insights to improve transparency for used EVs and car shoppers uh, or people wanting to buy a used EV. The new feature provides details right there on Edmunds when you're looking for your used cars on battery health range Charging history, repairs, replacements, everything you need to know. It's all provided by Recurrent, who, full disclaimer, are a partner of this podcast. And uh, RecurrentAuto.com support this show. Battery health is a crucial factor for EVs, and it can significantly impact the vehicle's value and performance but no one's really talking about it yet it's what recurrent and edmunds want to do to change that conversation it's available for the leaf the bolt the model s among others edmunds goal is to improve transparency when buying used evs and increase confidence as well and that's your podcast for today hey thank you to everyone who supports this show and gets it on the air our premium partners phil roberts brad crosby porsche of the village in cincinnati audi of cincinnati east volvo cars of cincinnati east national car charging on the u.s mainland and aloha charge in hawaii Derek riley's ev review island youtube channel richard at rsev.co.uk for buying and selling evs in the uk octopus electric universe global public charging made simple with one app and one map and lease plan electric moments providing all the tools and guidance EV drivers need. Have a good and see you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing still as a self-charging hybrid.